Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, it was about 15 years ago, I was at youth group one night. Yes, I'm, I'm that old. 15 years ago, I was at youth group, or that young, depending on how you, you view that. We, we had a guest speaker come. We had a personal trainer come, and he was coming to talk to us about the reality or the possibility of honoring our bodies by physical fitness and specifically healthy eating. Uh, he did a pretty good job. He spoke well. But one of the things that he said was, in order to really honor the Lord, we had to adopt the kosher food laws that the Jews had been given in the Old Testament. He mentioned that that would guarantee blessing from God. Because after all, it was in the Bible. All of us, being teenagers, were pretty convinced, not only because he spoke well, he presented the material in a great way, but, but he was jacked. Like he, he was very muscular, so we're kind of like, uh, it seems to be working for you, uh, so I, I'm not sure how we can say anything different. Um, but our, our pastor came back. And he asked us what the guest speaker talked about. And when we told him, he immediately challenged it with with the truth of the gospel, how we're actually not bound by the kosher food laws of the Old Testament. He went to Acts chapter 10 and other passages, and he was explaining to us, and he apologized to us that he hadn't done his homework more on this this speaker. Uh, And and we were able to move on from there. And and the interesting thing is that that personal trainer, I mean, he meant well. But, but he had been wrong in that moment. He was trying to help, but either he had uh, never fully understood what the Bible uh, taught about that, or he had forgotten the truth that certain foods don't actually equal blessing from God. Uh, and so it was a very interesting night and time shortly after that. In Galatians, we have somewhat of a similar scene going on. The difference here is that the personal trainer at youth group, he wasn't trying to intentionally burden us or force his view on us. It was just a presentation. But what we have in Galatians is we have a group of false brothers called the Judaizers. They've joined the church as professing Christians. They've come in, but they've brought new teaching with them. So they didn't deny that God had done something great among the Gentile believers there in, the, in Galatians, um, that Paul's preaching had been effective in some level, but they said that it wasn't enough. They demanded that the Gentiles would add keeping the law of Moses, particularly circumcision, in order to be truly blessed, to be truly saved, to be truly the children of God. And as we've seen so far in this series, we, Paul has been addressing this group back and forth. And he's been addressing their teaching by reminding all of the believers of the truth of the gospel, what it really says. And so he's already referred to his own experience. Hey, this is how I started following Jesus. This is what's happened to me. And he explained that he was an apostle, is an apostle, sent from God, not from man. And he also reviewed that the other apostles validated him and his message And so now in this passage that we're going to look at today, he's going to turn to the Galatians' own experiences before moving into the Old Testament itself to build his case. And you might say, what is that case? Well, his case is that it's by faith, not by works, 
that we're saved. And that every believer needs to remember that salvation is by grace, through faith, in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, open to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be verse 1 to 9 this morning. Galatians 3, 1 to 9. It says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray together. God, we have gathered and we have sung truth that you save We've declared what we believe about you. We've heard encouraging reports about other churches in other parts of of our province that you're doing a work. And I pray that you would help us understand this morning that that work is, is by grace. It's your choice. You choose to to bless us. You choose to be loving to us. You choose to save us. So I pray that your spirit would help us to understand and hear your word this morning and to put it into practice. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So right at verse 1, we have this word bewitched. Paul throws that in there. Who has bewitched you? Uh, It's very interesting because Paul actually knows who has bewitched them. Uh, He's been talking about them all the way so far in chapters 1 and 2. He's not sitting there going, oh, who's done this? He knows. Um, And he uses this term bewitched, which is significant because it carries more weight than just the idea of tricked. This is beyond just, oh, you've been tricked a little bit. This is him, it's like him saying, uh, somebody has put a pagan magic spell on you, which is his way of emphasizing the severity of any and all alterations, additions, distortions to the gospel. What he's saying is what happened here and what happens anywhere else, any other time, anybody adds or takes away from the true gospel is actually it's evil and it's, it's anti-Christ. And so this would sting a little bit if these false brothers, these Judaizers, were listening at the time that the, the letter was read out loud. Who has bewitched you? And they'd be like, whoa. That would sting a bit. But you see, Paul says, it was before your eyes that Christ was portrayed as crucified. Paul's initial preaching when he showed up was clear and it was effective and it was Christ crucified. He's saying, come on guys, you you got it at the start. You heard it, you believed it, you responded. So what happened? You understood that salvation was from God, but it is only by grace through faith in Christ. So what's going on? He's mad. 
He's mad at these false brothers for distorting the truth, but he's also mad at the Galatians for tolerating the teaching. And some of you, or you may run across other people that might say, is this really such a big deal, Paul? Is it really worth getting so upset about? Can't we just agree to disagree for the sake of unity and not ruffle any feathers? Well, the problem is the doctrine or the teaching of of salvation by works of, of any way denies the necessity of grace. And according to Galatians 2.21, which we looked at last week, I'll just read it again. 2.21, it says, I do not nullify the grace of God. Ready for this? For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So what he's saying is, if salvation is by works, if you can earn your way to right standing with God, you can earn your way to heaven, the death of Christ is pointless. So yeah, it's a big deal. So it's worth Paul getting upset about. It's worth him getting a little bit agitated about. It's worth us getting a little bit upset about when the gospel is twisted. And so Paul's thinking here, hey guys, obviously you need a reminder. You guys need to remember what's true. And maybe we do too. We always need reminders that every believer needs to remember salvation comes by grace through faith in Christ. And so Paul is going to be building this case in these nine verses. I looked at verse 1 kind of already, and you're going to see verses now 2 to 6 is kind of one section, and then verses 7 to 9 is another section. And you could summarize uh, the rest, 2 to 6, by saying, by grace alone, God blesses His people. That's how you could kind of summarize that. By grace alone, God blesses His people. And he moves through this, this passage here. Verse 2, he says, let me ask you only this. So he starts by asking one question, which actually turns into five rhetorical questions. Um, But he's saying, guys, don't you remember? Don't you remember? It was by faith that you started, not works of the law. It was by faith that you were saved. And that's a gift of God's grace. And and you look at the blessings that that he lists here as you go through these verses of of, of 2 to 5. He says, okay, so the preaching was Christ crucified. Um, God's grace. God chose to send us His Son to save us. He didn't have to. He chose to. Blessing of God's grace. Then he talks about you, you, you received the Holy Spirit. Did you do that by works of the law or by faith? Receiving the Holy Spirit by God's grace. We are regenerated or born again by the Holy Spirit. Then he talks about having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This idea of sanctification, growing by God's grace through the Holy Spirit's work in us and then through us, we grow in holiness to become more like Jesus Christ. He mentions sufferings. I'll get there in a second. And then he talks about miracles. He says, okay, so... By God's grace, He's performing mighty deeds among His people for His glory. There's so many blessings in this little passage, and He's saying it's all grace. And we're not given exact details of what exactly, what exactly they were suffering. It's idea, uh, you know, it could be just random trials. It could be persecutions, but we're not sure. So what He's saying is, in the midst of all these trials, in the midst of all these sufferings that you're going through, or possible persecutions, You are experiencing God in so many ways, and it's all grace. That's what he's getting at. And then then I just want to talk a little bit about miracles for a second. 
there's no specific mention of, of what miracles were going on in this church. But I think it's important for us to understand that regeneration, this idea of being born again, that is the greatest miracle that occurs among churches. That, that's what it is. That, that God supernaturally gives new life by the Holy Spirit to a sinner that trusts in Christ. And that's all grace. That is the greatest miracle that happens. That happened then, when this was written, and it happens now. It, it, it probably, I can almost guarantee that it happened somewhere already today. God is still doing miracles. That is the miracle. So sometimes people ask, what kind of miracles is God doing today? There's one. Life change. Life transformation. What evidence do we have of the Holy Spirit working today in our churches? Well, as you may have heard, the gathering exists to bring glory to God through lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Changing lives. That's, that's miracles. And you might say, okay, well then how, how, how is God working? Outside of people coming to faith and being born again. Some thoughts. Freedom from addictions. Forgiveness instead of bitterness. Growing in patience or, or growing in love. Growing in generosity. Growing in serving. Yes. How about a church starting in a living room? Come on. <laughs> or how about a small church plant giving $13,000 to North American missions and church planting initiatives over just a couple of weeks? Okay, so... You you just got to understand, God is doing miracles. The Holy Spirit is working among us, and that's exciting. But that's also why, in that excitement, why it's so important that we remember the truth that it's all grace. It's not because we have certain staff members, or because we've got the best warehouse in town, (laughs) or we've got really cool chairs, or some of our people wear plaid. Like, that's not why. (laughs) Right? It's all God's grace that God is doing these things. So we have to pause. We've got to make sure that we know the true gospel, that we're preaching the gospel, and that we're living the gospel so that we can do our best to not be bewitched. Because it can happen. So Paul reviews the blessings of grace. Guys, you heard it. You believed it. You received it. And you've been experiencing God at work all by working really hard to keep the, the law, right? God's doing miracles among you because you're circumcised, right? No. It's, no. Not at all. It's all grace. And he says this grace, it really is amazing. And, and the grace of God in these blessings not only are these blessings, but in these blessings contain radical promises. So think about the promises that we have in the grace of God. Okay, so eternal life. Believing in Jesus, not perish, but have eternal life. There's a promise. That's a good one. Okay, how about not just eternal life, but actually there's a promise that you would co-reign with Christ. The promise of never being forsaken. The promise of being adopted into God's family. Being securely adopted into His family. 
The promise of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to guide us, to comfort us, to convict us? What about the promise of all pain, all tears, all sin, gone one day? That's a good one. Or the promise of being in the perfect presence of God forever and ever and ever and ever? All grace. None of it is earned by our righteousness, by keeping the law. None of that is earned that way. None of it. Which is important for us to remember. And then we move into verse 6. And there's this mention of Abraham. And you might say, what is Paul doing here? It kind of seems to come out of left field. Why bring Abraham into the conversation right now? Well, it's important for us to understand that the Jews were all about being members of God's covenant people. Whether that was through circumcision, whether that was through adherence to the law, whether that was um, tracing the lineage back to Abraham, who was the father of Israel. They, they, they had pride in that, a sense of worth, of value in that. It was all about being part of Israel. And so verse 6 now, Paul is kind of like, it's like the hinge. He's opening the door into a, a transition into a new part of his argument. It's still going to support his claim that salvation is grace and faith in Christ. But it's going to be in a different way because these Jews were telling the Gentiles obeying the law of Moses is necessary for receiving true or full blessing of God. And so to fight this, Paul says, okay, let's look at Abraham and let's explain that Abraham, his life was by grace, through faith, and not by works. So if you're you're quick at flipping in your Bible, you can go to Genesis 12. If you're not so quick or just don't want to flip... Uh, it's coming up on the screen. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. It says this Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you, and him who dishonors you. I will bless those who bless you, sorry. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Why did God choose Abraham? By grace. By, by, by grace alone, God decided to, to speak to Abraham words of promise and bless him and, and make these, these promises to him. Guess what? Because through you, I'm going to make a great nation. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be a blessing. You're going to have a great name. All families, all nations on the earth are going to be blessed through you. Abraham didn't do anything to earn those promises of blessing. God simply chose to speak to Abraham by grace. A little fun side note, Abraham was not Jewish. He was a Gentile from Ur of Chaldea. So the nation of Jews comes from a Gentile. Just kind of fun. Um, Abraham was 75 years old when he first heard God's call on his life. And he had no kids of his own yet. He had his wife Sarah. And he was told to leave everything that he knew behind and go somewhere that God would show him. And so we've seen so far in verse 1 to 6 that by grace alone... God blesses his people, and now we're going to see that by faith alone, God's people receive the blessing. Okay, so, so by grace, God blesses, but by faith, 
God's people receive the blessing. Um, Genesis 12, verse 4. Three words. So Abram went. So Abram went. He heard, and he believed, and he obeyed, and God used him to create the nation of Israel. Abraham lived by faith, and he received God's blessings. And let's be clear, Abraham didn't receive these blessings overnight. It wasn't a, you believed at one time, everything's good now. It was a life of faith. There was wrestling with doubt, there was confusion, and and remembering who God is and what he has promised. If you've got your Bibles again, you can turn to Genesis 15, 5 and 6. This is just an update of where we find Abraham a few chapters later. He's in this moment of doubt. I, you said I was going to have this great nation. I still don't have this son yet, God. Right? In verse 5 of Genesis 15, it says, He, this is God, brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Go ahead, Abraham. Count the stars. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. So we have a reminder of the promise from God, but then there's a renewal of faith. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac finally came. 25 years waiting, believing that this promise was going to start. And it says he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. By faith, before circumcision, Before Moses, before the law, Abraham, Paul says, was justified by faith. And that's why Paul is referencing Abraham. The father of Israel was a man of faith that experienced God's blessings by grace. He's hammering home this point. And so in verse 7 to 9, back to Galatians, he's saying, guys, you don't have to be Jewish to obtain the blessing of God. You don't have to be Jewish to be a son of Abraham. You just have to have faith like Abraham. He says, verse 7, Know then. Know then. Like hammering home. As if to say, guys, pay attention. Get this. Remember this. Know then. Every believer is saved by grace through faith. And he says this truth was preached to Abraham that the Gentiles would be justified by faith. All nations will be blessed through you. And out of the nation of Israel, Jesus comes, descended from Abraham, and he offers blessing upon blessing, salvation to any and all, regardless of nation, to all who would believe in him. You know, we heard last week, as Pastor Garth was explaining, um, Paul and Peter had this confrontation. Peter knew the gospel, but he had failed to practice it in a moment. What we have here is, the Galatians knew the gospel, but they have forgotten that it was all about grace through faith. What about us this morning? Have we forgotten We need to remember the truth about how we're justified. We had a great definition of justification. It's coming up on the screen. 
the gracious act of God, where God declares a sinner righteous because they're really good? No, because solely through faith in Christ. The gracious act of God where God declares a sinner righteous solely through faith in Christ. Regardless of nation, regardless of history, regardless of struggles, culture, whatever. And so we can look back to Abraham as a great example. He was an example of faith. And I think it's funny to look back at Abraham because he didn't have the answers. He didn't have all the answers. In fact, he probably had none of the answers. And I I can imagine the conversation with Sarah, his wife, after the Genesis 12 initial promises. Okay, So his wife says to to Abraham, Okay, so where are we going? And he says, "Uh, (laughs) Not quite sure. Some land far away. Oh, okay. When are we going? As soon as possible. <laughs> pack, pack your stuff. You know, we, we, we got to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why are we going? Oh, yeah. God told me to go, and he promised to bless us, so we're going to go. That's all the information he had. And he believed the promises of God, and that faith led to radical obedience. They, they got up and they left. He followed God Wherever God led him, he left family, he left comfort, he left familiarity, and he obeyed. So this morning, we might ask ourselves, in what ways is God calling us to obey that might leave family, friends, comfort, all those types of things? He did it to Abraham. He might do it again. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, this message is kind of repetitive. This series so far maybe has even been kind of repetitive. Okay, it's grace and faith and not works and faith and not works and it's all grace and it's not works and it's faith and it's not works. But every believer really needs to remember this, that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. We need to remember this. You might say, why? And I don't have the exhaustive list, but I have a few things Four things about why we need to remember this, okay? Number one, we've got to remember this because it's the truth. It's the truth. And it's been said that the most basic truths should be our most frequent thoughts. The most basic truths should be our most frequent thoughts. Number two, why do we need to remember? Because there are countless false gospels out in the world and in churches. There could be some in here already. We don't know. We're going to do our best to fight against it, but they're out there, and so we need to know what's true. Third one. Why do we need to remember? Because we're prone to forget. Anyone forget anything ever in their life? Yeah. Right? And repetition breeds memory. Fourth one is we're prone to add. Bottom line is, even for myself, it's really hard to believe that it truly is grace alone that I'm accepted by God. Are you sure I don't have to do something else? Are you sure it's not grace? It's grace. You can't earn enough. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. It's humbling. 
So we're prone to add because it's hard to remember that. And you might say, okay, Phil, those are good reasons why we need to remember, but I'm, I'm going to be leaving soon. The service is almost over. How do I remember then? Oh, here's how we remember. We remember by being devoted to Scripture. Okay? Read the Word. Study the Word. Meditate on it. Sing it. Teach it. Listen to it. Hear it. That's how we remember. We also remember by being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Remembering that it's God that does the work in us and through us. Praying more. Saying, Holy Spirit, help us. Help me to remember. Help me to be dependent on you. Not my own efforts, not my own strength, but but on you. And we remember by being dedicated to the body of Christ. To the church. Because church isn't a warehouse. Church is people. So to commit to worship together. Commit to learn together. To strengthen one another. So obviously coming Sunday morning, really key. But then other than that, you know, other studies or groups, coffee dates, meals together, phone calls, texts, Facebook, whatever it is, you can use these things to strengthen each other and be dedicated to each other and help each other to remember what's true. That's how we can remember. Now, verse 9, Paul has his own conclusion to this section. Summarizing all of this, he says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It's yet again another reminder. Those of faith are blessed like Abraham. Abraham was blessed beyond measure and by grace through faith in Christ we are as well. So then, by grace, let's be people of faith. People that don't just start with faith but then forget or add, but people who truly live by faith each day and so bring glory to God as our lives are changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we we need your help because we forget. We need your help because, because we add. We need your help because we doubt. So God, I'm asking that you would help us to remember I'm asking you to help me to remember it's by grace that you save us. That you are that you are for us. That because of our of faith in Jesus that we're now on your side. That you're with us. And when we understand that you're truly with us and there's nothing that we can do to earn our right standing with you, there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation We just simply believe and accept your grace and your promises to us. That grace then also drives out fear. And we can simply trust you and your goodness. 
And I pray that for myself and for everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen.